Jesus said, I need 12 good men. That's all you need. Just a little handful. A true believer. Spirit receiving. I need 12 good men. I can only find 11. Welcome to Mornings with Ken. I am so glad you're here. Go get that cup of coffee. Go get that virtual donut. Pull up a chair, kick off your shoes, and stay a while. Hey, how's everybody doing this morning? This cold Monday morning. Oh, man, it was cold this weekend. Oh, my gosh, was it cold this weekend. But you know what? I got my cup of coffee, and... It's warming up my bones, so I'm ready to get this show on the road. Hey, if you missed the past couple of shows, you need to go back and look at uh, episode one and two of this new season and uh, check them out, because this is the kind of the third installment of the series, series I'm on um, concerning Jesus and the Bible. You know, I've heard people say here recently that I heard phrases such as, speaking of evangelicals, as those are book worshipers. Wow, could you imagine someone saying that? Yeah, so people coming from more the progressive left um, calling uh, evangelicals book worshipers because we have the audacity to believe that the Bible is not just a written book by whatever was on the thoughts of men. No, we kind of believe the Bible is the Word of God inspired. And uh, yeah, there's so many people out there who have begun to reject the very words of God. And if... Uh, if you reject the Word of God, you have no foundation to stand on. You really don't. Um, you know, experience is okay, but we all have experiences, and your experience could be different than my experience. But a experience doesn't create truth. Experience doesn't create truth. You may experience um, something different than what I experience. Perhaps um, your experience uh, maybe with a, a poor relationship with your father may lead you to hate men or, or have a, 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 just a low view of men. My experience with my father 
may have been a great experience. So therefore, I have a great, you know, respect for uh, fathers, for men. But your negative experience does not dictate that all men are bad or all fathers are bad. That's an experience that you had. It's not the ultimate truth. And our Heavenly Father is such, so much greater than an earthly father. So experience doesn't equate truth. So we need to be careful when you say, but my religious experience says that uh, I'm going to worship this stick or this rock, and I'm still as much as a Christian as anybody else. You don't get to create your own truth. And if you have no foundation except experience, then there is no truth for you. There is no truth. So the past couple of weeks, we examined uh, who Jesus said he was, Jesus, how Jesus ministered, um, and what Jesus thought of sin and repentance. And this week, I'd like to take a look at how Jesus ministered here while on earth. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, then let's examine what Jesus did while on earth. You know, Jesus's ministry, um, most say, began at the age of uh, 30, and he was crucified at the age of 33. Most historians agree to that. But during his time of ministry, he gathered up 12 good men. Well, 11. As the song said, I need 12 good men, but I can only find 11. But Jesus surrounded himself with 12 good men. And being the son of God, he knew all about these men. He knew which men he were going to, he was going to choose. Even Judas, he knew that in advance. So just as we've learned, you know, salvation is only through Christ. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus knows all things. So Jesus knew when he was choosing these 12 men, what role they would play during his ministry and after his ministry. None of this was a surprise to Jesus. He knew these 12 men. So just real quickly, let's take a look at some of the, 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 the men that he chose. So these would be his disciples. Um, first you have, this may not be in the exact order of their calling, um, but as Jesus was walking by um, in Galilee, he came across these 12 men and uh, he, he called them to follow him. He said, hey, come follow me. They did. And uh, so Simon which later Jesus would, would change his name to Peter. 
He called Simon. Simon was a fisherman. And he also was the brother of Andrew. So you got Simon Peter, the brother of Andrew. James, who was a fisherman. And his brother was John, also a fisherman. So James and John were brothers. And Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Now, I'm not sure why he called them the sons of thunder. Um, I can think of a couple reasons, but I'm not going to say that on the air. But sons of thunder, uh, James and John, brothers. He called the two brothers sons of thunder. And next you have Andrew, who also was a fisherman, brother to Peter, like I've already said. Andrew, brother to Peter. And he called Philip. Was also a fisherman. And uh, next, Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Or um, in some translations, sometimes they include both names, Nathaniel and Bartholomew. Um, they're one and the same. They're the same person. Um, and an interesting note, I, I don't want to go off, off the subject too much, but... Um, I was looking at how some of these disciples died later. Um, Bartholomew was filleted alive. He was a filleted alive, like you would flay a fish, de-skinned. Ah, gross. I'm sorry. I don't know why I had to, to bring that up, but uh, <laughs> going on. Um, Matthew. Matthew, of course, was the tax collector. You know, he was that guy kind of working for, you know, Rome, collecting the taxes and, and cheating people out of money. <laughs> no, but he was a tax collector. Um, you can read about uh, Matthew in Scripture. Uh, next you have Thomas, also a fisherman. And we all know about Thomas. He he doubted Christ. He, he doubted Christ uh, had risen from the grave until he put his hand in his side and, and uh, held Jesus' hands and looked at his... Uh, his uh, nails in his in his hands, and uh, next you have um, James, James the cousin of Jesus. Most scholars agree um, he was the cousin of Jesus, and Thaddeus. Some uh, some scriptures might some translation will call him Jude. Um, he most likely was Jesus' half-brother. Jesus' half-brother Thaddeus or Jude. Jude was a common nickname, um, Jewish nickname, Jude. Hey, Jude, don't be sad. No, not that Jude. That's a different Jude. Um, then we got uh, Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. And, you know, I've heard pastors over the year try to to uh, soften the word zealot and say, you know, Simon, yeah, he was Simon the zealot. But if you really look into historical um, history, I mean, just look into history and the Jewish people, there's no way to clean up Simon. There's really not a good way to clean up Simon. A zealot in those days, because Rome had, um, you know, was oppressing the Jewish people, and um, the zealots were radicals. They were 
rebels against Rome. They sought to overthrow Rome. They were going to kill <laughs> Roman uh, legions or, you know, people. They were going to kill the Roman guards. And they wanted to kick Rome out of uh, the land of Israel, of, of Jerusalem. So Simon, say what you will, the zealot, he was a zealot. The Bible said he was a zealot. He he was a little bit radical. Um, and then lastly, we have Judas, and we all know about Judas. Uh, Judas, of course, the one who betrayed Christ with a kiss. Yeah, so um, there you have it. There are the 12. There are the 12. So that's who Jesus chose to be his followers, to do life with. And, uh, you know, doing life with 12 people for three years, they say his ministry began at age 30. Uh, he was crucified at age 33. So doing life together with 12 men. Um, remember, 12 men. You know, I've been on camping trips with uh, a few guys. Uh, I think last year I went on, on a short weekend camping trip with a, a few guys. And... Um, we had a good time, but, you know, there's things that men do, you know, out there in the woods camping. You know, we, uh, you know, <laughs> we just, we just talk around the fire and, and yeah. So, <laughs> but you, you learn life together as men. Yeah. You call each other a little, you know, hey, Ken, yeah, yeah, knucklehead Ken. Why do you, why do you do that? You should have done this. What did you say to your wife, Ken? Oh, Ken, you screwed that up. Yeah, so you talk about a lot of personal stuff and you do life together, right? Well, Jesus could have ministered alone for three years, but he chose not to. He chose not to. He chose to do life with 12, with 12 men, one of which would betray him. And you think about when you do life, um, he traveled with them. You know, travel is not easy. Spending the night somewhere, picking up your bag of clothes and change of underwear and your, they didn't have socks, but <laughs> you're thinking, why did they invent socks? Of all the way they, they learned to close themselves, you know, how come no one during, during that time invented socks yet to put on your feet and closed shoes? What? I know it's you're in a desert, but I mean... I know they had grass somewhere. I mean, could have someone invented socks and shoes? But anyway, I digress. So they traveled. They had to get their belongings um, together every morning. Someone had to cook breakfast. They're, you know, they were probably like, Peter, you are not cooking breakfast again. You know, you ruined the eggs. Um, they didn't eat bacon. No, you know, they didn't eat no bacon. Sorry for them. But, uh, <laughs> you know... So, you know, they, they, 12 guys doing life together, day in, day out, traveling. So they ate together. They slept together. They are probably like, oh, my gosh, did you hear Thaddeus snore last night? Oh, my God. Thaddeus, you snored all night long. You know, this is Ken's interpretation, Ken's version. Um, <laughs> they're just doing life together, right? So they slept. They slept with, you know, together and... 
They served and ministered together. And they watched Jesus do it. You know, some say that um, the gospel is more caught than taught. The gospel sometimes is more caught than taught. And I'm not saying that's the the way or the only way or the best way, but often the gospel of doing the ministry is is more caught than taught. And you think about, they walked with Jesus as he was encountering so many different things. So many different things. Um, he, he watched, they watched Jesus as he um, talked to the Sadducees and Pharisees. How Jesus responded to the Sadducees and Pharisees. So they watched he they watched him do doctrine. <laughs> they really did, if you think about it. You know, the Sadducees, Pharisees caught up in uh, Jewish law, and the disciples watched Jesus sort of correct their Old Testament beliefs. So they watched that. They watched Jesus, they heard Jesus speak of and clarify the law, clarify the Old Testament teachings. You know what else they watched? They watched Jesus being compassion to those in sin. Think about the woman, think about the woman caught in adultery. Think about that. Here here are these men that pull this woman. Um, uh, you know, the Bible says she was caught in the very act of adultery. So she, they, they get this woman, uh, you know, no Bible doesn't say what happened to the man. They probably let him go, you know, you know, the saying, bro, never mind. Um, <laughs> stop it, Kenny, get your mind right. Um, but so they let the guy go or he, he ran away. Who knows what happened? But they, they bring this woman out caught in, in the very act of adultery. They, you know, they got her out there in the outside and, and they're getting ready to stone her. You know, here comes Jesus. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Those without sin cast the first stone. He starts writing in the sand. He probably wrote all the names of their their girlfriends, all the, you know, the the guys that were getting ready to stone her. I think he wrote in the sand. He wrote all their, their girlfriends' names that they were cheating on their wives with. That's just that's just Ken's version. I made that up. But um so anyway. He he shows compassion for a lady who, according to the Old Testament law, should have been stoned. So they watch Jesus be compassionate to those caught in sin. But you know what else they watched down that day? When Jesus said, go, but sin no more. See, for those out there who like a who like to build their own Jesus or a better Jesus, you you on the, the the progressive left, you you like to talk about just love. All you need is love, like John Lennon sang or the Beatles. Um, but Jesus said, "Go, but sin no more." He didn't say sin was okay. He didn't say sin was all right. He didn't say, "All right, go ahead, you're free to go and uh, keep doing what you're doing." You know, no, 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 no. He said, go, but sin no more. So, so they watched, they watched the compassion of Jesus. Um, they watched 
Jesus heal a blind man in John chapter nine? Well, many times um, Jesus, you know, healed the blind man, and and uh, so they watched Jesus have some compassion in healing those uh, that were blind or lame or you know all that. Um, he taught them how to pray, and you know, of course, in uh, Matthew chapter six, he, he he taught them the Lord's prayer, how to pray, the manner in which to approach God, sort of a, just a general format of how to pray. He also Jesus also taught them about spiritual warfare. Remember when um, uh, Jesus is letting the disciples um, <laughs> see? Here's what I think Jesus. Here's what I think Jesus did. I think Jesus is like, all right, you know, these guys have been traveling with me for a little while. They've watched me do my stuff, you know. They watched me heal and and uh, have mercy and compassion, and they've they've watched me cast out demon demons from from people. I'm gonna let them handle this one. I'm gonna let them ha- handle this one. So in Matthew chapter 17, it's recorded where um, picture this: Jesus is sitting back, like, all right, you guys got this. And uh, again, this is Ken's translation. So disciples go and they're trying to cast out this demon um, and from this young boy and they couldn't do it and they couldn't do it. And so they went to Jesus and they're like, hey, we, yeah, yeah, we fell. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we fell. Well, we don't know why. And Jesus said, well, this kind, this, oh, I could dive into deep into this, but I don't have time. But this kind of possession only comes out by prayer and fasting. Um, and for those who uh, aren't familiar with uh, with uh, de- demonic oppression or, or possession, um, it's not as easy as just saying, um, you know, you know, get out Satan, get out demons, and be gone. Uh, there's some truth to that. But uh, if you dive deep into it and you whatever, um, there is levels and there's level of, of possession. I don't want to start any controversy, but there's there's levels. There's hidden personalities that demons divide and conquer and split personalities and things like that. But uh, Jesus said this this kind only come out by prayer and fasting. And now him being Jesus, there's no need for him to, uh, you know, fast at this time. He's God himself in, in flesh. So Jesus takes care of it, you know. Jesus takes care of business. But the disciples watched that. The disciples watched Jesus do those things. He modeled ministry. He modeled ministry. So he literally, Jesus, God himself, is training 12 men because guess what? Jesus knew he was leaving. He was leaving this earth to prepare, to prepare, prepare a heavenly home. So he's getting these people, these 12 disciples ready to launch the church. See, for those progressive on the left who don't like what the uh, scriptures have to say, um, about the Bible, Jesus himself has prepared the disciples to be the people launching the church. 
Jesus has given the disciples authority. He told the disciples, hey, um, I'm going away, but I give you all authority um, under heaven basically to do the ministry work. See, Jesus didn't want to leave and have have nobody trained to launch the church. Jesus knew. See, none of this was a surprise to Jesus. Jesus's ministry work and death was not going to surprise Jesus all of a sudden. Like he didn't have any idea this was going to happen. He knew his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension was was to be. He he knew exactly what was going to happen. So therefore, he trained 12 men who later would launch the church. Do you think Jesus made a mistake by choosing the 12 men? Um, he even knew in advance that Judas would betray him. He knew that from the beginning, that Judas um, would betray would betray him. So none of it was surprised. So Jesus purposely chose these 12 men. And why did he choose them? Jesus chose these 12 men who would later record the, the events that we know of in Scripture to record and lay down a foundation of everything Jesus, not everything, the Bible, the Bible says that if everything was written that Jesus done, there's no enough books in the world to contain it. But Jesus knew that these 12 men would write down, 11 men, throw Jesus, so Judas out, um, would record the events for the, all of history. So we would have a foundation to build the church upon. So it's no mistake. There was no mistake when... Jesus launched the disciples. First of all, he gave them the Holy Spirit. And he knew that they they would record everything that he taught and did. Not everything, but almost (laughs) a lot of it. Everything that he taught and did. So then those disciples could later disciple the new church and launch the new church. So, you know, imagine if Jesus didn't walk with those 12 men for three years and see what he did and hear what Jesus did. There would be no, no, no foundation. Jesus, God himself purposely chose these men to write down the very words of God so that we would be trained and discipled and know truth from error. And I think that's where the progressives on the left, they don't, they don't like, they don't like, they don't like the idea of truth. They want it to be vague and gray. They want to be gray in a black and white world. They're, 
they like uncertainty. They like uncertainty. And, and, and on, you know, there are some biblical issues, the doctrines we could discuss that are gray areas because maybe perhaps the apostles, his disciples later became the apostles, um, didn't really put a lot of time and a lot of writing towards certain issues. But on the core, on the foundational issues, which include acts of sin, they are modeling and they are writing down and capturing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit everything they, they are recording, everything they're writing down. They are the ones that heard the voice of Jesus. They are the ones that spent 12 years with them. They are the one that passed the stories down from generation to generation. See, there's some that, that, that want to love Jesus, but they don't want to love the foundation that he built. They want to love the Jesus of, hey, you who were caught in adultery, um, it's all good, go now. They don't want to hear the part, and go and sin no more. They like the gospel of uncertainty, if you can even call that a gospel. But I want to uh, assure you, you can trust the Bible. And I want to I want to suggest to you, if you would like to cast error or doubt, or um, just just unbelief, or question, did God really say? Then I don't think that's putting you on the good side of Scripture. Somebody else said once, did God really say? And nowadays we have the modern version of, uh, does Scripture really say that? Did Jesus really teach the apostles that? Um, we, could, we could discuss where there's some uncertainty. But in, in the core doctrines, there is, no, there is no uncertainty. It's pretty clear. So, folks, you can trust the Word of God. All right. I love you guys. Out of a beautiful Monday. Bye-bye now. Hey, and don't forget to stop by lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. L-U-L-U.com. And buy all my books. Now, hey, real quick. I wrote a book called Wokeness Poetic Surgery. Wokeness Poetic Surgery. It's examining wokeness through the lens of poetry. Examining wokeness through the lens of poetry. Written by yours truly, Ken Lotney. That's available at lulu.com. L-U-L-U.com. Soon to be available through Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. But it's not quite ready yet to be put onto their websites. 
But uh, right now you can purchase that book, Wokeness Poetic Surgery, Lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. Buy your copy today.